Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. We're in a series called Way of the Cross. So if you've got your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 26. Uh, if you did not bring a Bible with you, that's okay. There should be one in the pew rack in front of you. You're sitting in the front row here or up in the balcony. Underneath you should be a, a Bible there. And uh, page 825 will get you right where you need to be uh, as, we, as we look at this way of the cross. We've talked about uh, the cross being, with the way of cross being, a, it's a costly way. Sometimes it comes with a personal cost. Uh, Rob Basham did a great job last week talking about the, it can be a lonely way. You can feel alone on this journey and talked about the opportunities uh, for us when we're feeling that. And today I want, I want to talk to you about the unfair way. And my guess is, I mean, have you ever had a moment where you said out loud, that's not fair? Or that's not right? I, don't, I mean, I think probably every one of us, whether we verbalize it or not, we've had that, that feeling. Um, in, in February, Trina and I went on a trip. I had some meetings in New York, and we went uh, a little bit early to New York City and uh, just kind of seeing some sites. Some friends told us where to go, and we're in Grand, the Grand Central Station in the basement. There's this food court. It's lunch. It's our first day, and um, someone's given us this tip that it's down there. So we're sort of looking through the entire food court, all the options, and there are a lot of options um, and so the, the choice was difficult, but we wanted to start uh, our time there just you know, get a classic piece of uh, New York uh, slice, slice of pizza. And, and so we go to, it's, it's kind of nestled in this corner down, down in the basement. And so we, we order, Trina orders her slice of pizza. I order mine and uh, I order a slice of pepperoni, which, which by the way is a dollar more than a slice of cheese pizza. That's really important to know. Uh, it costs a dollar more. And so when I get my slice of pepperoni, I look and there's two thinly sliced pieces of pepperoni on my entire slice of pizza. And inside I have this, I mean, if you could read my thought bubbles, which I'm really grateful you can't, but in that moment you would, what you would have read is, you know, that's not fair, that's not right. In fact, I started doing the math. A slice of cheese pizza is, it's, it's a dollar less. So you're telling me it's 50 cents per slice of, of pepperoni on my pizza? And then I look in the glass case and there's another slice of pepperoni pizza on it in there and it, on it there's seven slices of pepperoni. <laughs> so I'm doing the math and I'm like, look, my slice of pizza, 50 cents per slice of pepperoni and in that glass case, there's, it's, that's 14.2 cents, I did the math, <laughs> of the pepperoni on that piece. And it wasn't right, it's not fair. Um, and of course, Paddington's and Wallery's heals all wounds. There's lots of pepperoni in that pizza here locally. Um, but uh, I, I, I just felt this. And you know, from the youngest of, of, of kids, I mean, there's, we have this, this alarm system within us, right? That when something is not right and not fair, we, we're little kids. We, we know. We vocalize this. I mean, your kids, they, those of you who have been parents or you are parents or you're wanting to be a parent, you know, if you got kids and you're putting one kid to bed who's younger and you've got an older kid who's staying up and the younger kid's going to bed, I guarantee you that at some point in time what they're going to say, it's not fair. How come they get to stay up? And, uh, or when dinner is being, you know, passed out, your portions are on the plate and the kids are looking at, they're, they're not looking, they're, they look at their plate, but they're comparing. They're looking to see what the other portions are and they want to make sure that they're getting as generous a portion as their sibling or when it comes to stuff they don't like, that they're getting a, a fair shake compared to the other kids at the table. 
And it grows with us. You're a kid and you're growing up and your coach isn't giving you the playing time that you, that you think you deserve. And you think it's not fair, it's not right. Or the ref makes that call. Some of you watching a basketball game last night know what I'm talking about. There's a call made and something within you says, that, well, that's not right, that's not fair. And then you're the ref and you make that call and there's bottles being thrown at you and you're saying, that's not fair, that's not right. And it just, it just grows with us. And of course, it's all these little things, but then sometimes it's the big issues of life. You know, when someone's oppressed, well, that's not right. When someone's trafficked, that's not right. We get issues like affordable housing and, and issues of poverty and some of you are doing your taxes. And you're, that's not right. That's not fair. We get, all the, the issues get bigger and bigger and, and the alarm gets louder and louder within us. And friends, you know, you know sometimes we face injustice and, and, and you know, in the way of the cross, Sometimes, because you're closely associated with Jesus, you will be treated unfairly. Trina and I were traveling in the Muslim world recently. We met with an Arab Christian leader, having breakfast with him, and he was telling us about how, yeah, recently he got pulled in uh, for an interview, a a pretty aggressive interview with the secret police in his country, Um, because he's he's a Christian. He has a bright, you know, he's a bright, he's a great family, and his, these kids are amazing, and this one son, he's you know, a handsome kid and smart kid, and you know, did great in high school, and went to university, and studying medicine, he wants to be a doctor, and graduates top of his class. I mean, this is the kind of kid that you want to see get into med school, you want to see to be, be a doctor, and, um, and so he, he graduates top of his class in med school in this, uh, in this uh, uh, area of the Muslim world and he applies for residency and not one hospital in his country will take him he's blacklisted because his dad is an Arab Christian leader in his country that's not right that's not fair friends the way of the cross often is not right it's not fair we're treated unjustly and Jesus certainly went through that if you got your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 26. I want to, in the time we have together today, I want to answer this question. What do we do when, when we're treated unfairly? What, what do we do in the face of injustice? Y- yes, there's the injustices that are, that are pretty common to this broken world. That, that comes along our way, for sure. But what's our response to when, when injustice comes our way as, as we're followers of Christ? What's the right response? And I think we'll get some clues here from uh, this moment in Jesus' life where he was treated, he was treated so unfairly, such an injustice that he went through. And I think it'll help us understand how we should respond when we face injustice as well. Matthew 26, verse 47 says, and even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the 12 disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests and elders of the people. The traitor, Judas, had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed and gave him the kiss. And Jesus said, my friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Put away your sword, Jesus told him. 
Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly? But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that, I, that, that describe what must happen now? Let me just stop there and just highlight this. The, the unnamed person who unsheaths the sword and slashes off the servant's ear. Um, this unnamed person, uh, John tells us, Luke tells us that it's Peter. You know, you know the, the Peter who when Jesus said, hey, the, sh- the, the shepherd's gonna be struck and the sheep are gonna scatter. You guys are all gonna disown me. You're all gonna desert me. And Peter objects. Now, I, everyone else may, may leave you, Jesus, but you can count on me. I'm your guy. And I, I'm gonna die with you. And I think in this moment, he's just trying to keep his promise. Okay? He's just trying to keep his promise to Jesus. And so you've got this, this injustice that is taking place. I mean, they're arresting Jesus at night. Why aren't they arresting him in, in, in daylight? And I'll tell you why. Because the crowds. The crowds would defend Jesus. And so they, they, they can't do it during the day. And they're going to need help to get access to Jesus during the night. And that's why Judas plays such a significant role. And, and so there's this, this injustice where, you know, Jesus is, it's, it's at night he's being arrested. And the whole process, we'll see, is, is so unjust. I mean, the trials, Jewish trials were supposed to happen in the, in the daylight hours. It happened all through the night. There's so, so many false accusations that are made of Jesus. There's so much injustice. And so Peter, he's, he's going to step in. He's going to fix this. And, and he unsheaths his sword, slashes off this guy's ear. And Jesus, knowing full well the injustice that he is going to experience, tells Peter, put away your sword. Those who live by the sword die by the sword. And what Jesus is simply telling us is that, friends, you can't fix injustice with injustice. You just can't fix injustice with injustice. There's, there's so much that's wrong. There's so much that it feels like that, that's not right. That's not fair. And oftentimes what happens is the methods that we use to try and battle injustice actually perpetuate injustice and perpetuate the, the violence. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he, he, he really went after injustice uh, for African-American communities in the civil rights movement. And his method was, was a method of, of nonviolent protests. And yet, he was often questioned on how effective this could be. In fact, there were some riots breaking out, and there was a minority of African-Americans who really they, they opposed King's methods of, of pursuing justice. CBS News did an interview with Dr. King. Uh, Mike Wallace was doing the interview, and he, and he asked King about this, and King simply responded, you know, that riots are the language of the unheard. It's the language of the unheard, and so he, he understands it, yet this is what King said. King said the limitation of riots, moral questions aside, is that they cannot win and their participants know it. Hence, rioting is not revolutionary but reactionary because it invites defeat. It involves an emotional catharsis and it will be followed by a sense of futility. What Dr. King is saying is that, you know, it's not revolutionary to write. It's actually a reaction. And it's also, you know, there's this cathartic moment emotionally. It feels good. We did something. We said something. We, we retaliated. And for a moment, it just feels, it feels good to get, get payback. It feels good to, to shame and to blame and to make that post and go after that person and, and tell them, what, you know, how, how unsmart they are. I'm trying to obey my mom's advice to say not stupid. 
Oops, said it. Um, there's just something that feels good about it, but what we see from Jesus, you can't fix injustice with injustice. Dr. King knew this very well. There was another king. His name was David. David in Psalm 7 is speaking about an injustice that he was encountering. He writes, Lord, my God, I take refuge in you. Save and deliver me from all who pursue me, or they will tear me apart like a lion and rip me to pieces with no one to rescue me. Lord my God, if I have done this and there is guilt on my hands, if I have repaid my ally with evil or without cause, have robbed my foe, then let my enemy pursue and overtake me. Let him trample my life to the ground and make me sleep in the dust. Here's what David is saying. He's saying, there are people out there who want to shred me. And it's not right. But God, if for some reason I'm wrong on this, if I'm wrong on this, then, then let justice be served. Let me be trampled. Let me just be ground into the dirt. I, I, think, I think I got my integrity intact, in but if not, let, let, it, let it come my way. But then David does this. He says, arise, Lord, in your anger. Rise up against the rage of my enemies. Awake, my God. Decree justice. Let the assembled peoples gather around you while you sit enthroned over them on high. Let the Lord judge the peoples. Vindicate me, Lord, according to my righteousness, according to my integrity, O Most High. Bring to an end the violence of the wicked and make the righteous secure. You, the righteous God who probes minds and hearts. This is what David is saying. He's saying there are people out there who want to shred me. I, and I, think, I think it's unjust, but Lord, if it is just, then, then let it happen. But vindicate me, Lord. Go to bat for me. What David is doing, he's refusing to fix injustice with injustice. How many times will David have the opportunity to get payback on the ones who are causing him to suffer? There's that one incident where he's in this cave and this King Saul comes in and this is the guy who's been oppressing him and hunting him down and trying to kill him. And he's got this moment and his friends are saying, here it is, this is the opportunity, David. God must be in this. And David responds by saying, no, I... I'm not going to strike God's anointed. I'm not going to try and fix injustice with injustice. And friends, when we, when, we, when we take this approach, we're unsheathing our sword. We're swinging. We're slashing. We're wounding people with our words. Now, we, we teach kids, kids at the youngest age, when someone pushes you on the playground, don't push them back. Yet, we grow up, and that's what we do. Miroslav Volv says this. Vol says, the practice of nonviolence requires a belief in divine vengeance. So many of the world's problems today would be solved if people believed in the fact that there is a God who judges justly and that we can trust him to put things right in the end. What do we do when life isn't fair? What do we do when we walk the way of the cross? And our association with Jesus brings trouble our way. Well, we can't fight injustice or try and fix injustice with injustice, but let's keep going on through the story because I think there's more here. Uh, Let's look at Matthew 27 when Jesus is before Pilate. Verse 11, chapter 27. Now Jesus was standing before Pilate, the Roman governor. Are you king of the Jews? The governor asked him. Jesus replied, you have said it. But when the leading priests and the elders made their accusations against him, Jesus remained silent. Don't you hear all these charges they are bringing against you? Pilate demanded. 
But Jesus made no response to any of the charges, much to the governor's surprise. Now, it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd, anyone they wanted. And this year, there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. As the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? He knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. Just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him this message, leave that innocent man alone. I suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. So the governor asked again, which of these two do you want me to release to you? The crowd shouted back, Barabbas. And Pilate responded, then what should I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? They shouted back, crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded, What crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder. Crucify him. Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere and that a riot was developing. So he sent for a bowl of water and washed his hands before the crowd saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. And all the people yelled back, we will take responsibility for his death, we and our children. So Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. What do you do when you're facing injustice? Or you see injustice? Well, you can't fix injustice with injustice. And in this story, we've got Pilate with Jesus, and I mean, Pilate knows that Jesus is innocent. He, He knows this. I mean, he knows that it's envy that's brought Jesus to him, Envy of the religious leaders. The religious leaders didn't have the authority to condemn anyone to death. So they need the Romans to step in here and see that Jesus is executed. They they need Pilate to hand him over to be crucified. And and Pilate knows this. He knows this is is a a case where this guy is innocent. And yet, so what he's trying to do, he's trying to work around the situation and kind of, is there an exit ramp here somewhere that I can take? And so what he does is there's this tradition at Passover Hey, we'll bring out a criminal, uh, we'll put him next to Jesus, and then you guys get to vote and choose who gets to go free. And in his mind, he's thinking, surely they won't choose Barabbas. I mean, he's a, he's a convicted criminal. He's a murderer. Yet the crowd says, set Barabbas free. And friends, isn't this exactly what happens when we don't deal with something that needs to be dealt with? Now Pilate has got two problems on his hand. He's got Jesus, who's innocent, that the crowd wants, to, wants executed, and he's got a, a criminal now on the streets of Jerusalem. It's going to cause more problems for him. And then he's got the email that shows up on his phone as he's sitting there talking about this whole thing from his wife, right? <laughs> I had a horrible nightmare. This guy's innocent. And Pilate is trying to wiggle his way out of this. And finally, he doesn't see any more exit ramps. He asks for a bowl of water. He washes his hands and says, the responsibility for this guy's death is on you. What do we do when we face injustice? We're not being treated fairly, especially when it comes our way because we're associated with Jesus. We can't fix injustice with injustice, but we can't do this either. We can't wash our hands of injustice. 
God has placed you. Look, there's so much injustice in our world. There's so much that's wrong. And sometimes it's so overwhelming. You, you can't fix it all, but, but likely God has placed you somewhere. He's put you in a neighborhood. He's placed you in a workplace. He has you in a family. He's positioned you perfectly. And you have influence and you have time. Perhaps you have resources. And you can actually do justice. In fact, this is central to our faith. You can do justice. You can't fix injustice with injustice. That just perpetuates violence. At the same time, you can't remain silent and let the innocent be oppressed. And this is what Pilate does. He washes his hands of it all. And it's this Peter and Pilate moment. I'm unsheathing my sword. I'm washing my hands. Yet during the whole thing, there's Jesus and he's fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah where it says that like a sheep to the shearer, he remains silent. He doesn't try to defend himself. He's not yelling at anybody. He's going through this injustice. And he's doing it on purpose. Because he knows on the backside of it there's redemption. On the backside of it, the wrong will be made right. It's really interesting that in, in our world today that when there's injustice and we see it, we say, somebody has to pay. That's the gospel. There's sin, there's injustice, and the father says, someone's got to pay, and his son is sent from heaven and lives the life that you and I could not live and dies the death that we should have died as payment. And because he suffered injustice, Paul will write, but by the way, at Easter we'll talk about this for sure. We, because of the cross, can be forgiven. He lived the life that we couldn't live. He died the death that we should have died, but he died it for us so that we could be forgiven, so that we could sing songs like we've been made white as snow. All the shame, all the guilt lifted off of us, that we could be made right, be at peace with God. But friends, that, that's only half the story. It's, it's an important part of the story. We have all this lifted off of us, but then something is put on us. What's put on us is the righteousness of Jesus. We're forgiven of our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins, and then we're dressed in the righteousness of Jesus so that when the Father looks at you, he sees nothing but perfection, the perfection of his Son. If you're sitting next to someone who has faith in Christ, you're sitting next to someone who's perfect. Take a peek. I know you're thinking, well, I'll talk later. We know he's kind of wacko and all that, but this is how your heavenly dad sees you. And it's all been made possible because someone endured injustice. What do we do? We face injustice when something rises up within us. That's not fair. That's not right. Well, we know we, we can't fix that injustice with injustice because that just perpetuates violence and pain. It feels emotionally satisfying in the moment. Yeah, I got the last word. Yeah, I got the last punch. Yeah, I did this. Yeah, it, it, but it, it's futile. Dr. King was right. We trust in a just God, and, and yet at the same time, we can't be silent. There's likely places where we could, our voice could, could be raised that our, our time could be used, our resources could be spent. 
You can't wash your hands of the responsibility of justice and doing justice. And sometimes we endure because it's the way of the cross and there's redemption on the other side. Now let me just wrap up and say a few things. First, first of all, I, I want to talk to those of you in the room who you would put yourself in the category of, I'm not a Christian. I'm really glad you're here. Thank, thank you for trusting us by being here. Maybe you're just on the front end of just trying to figure out all this God stuff and what's Easter and Good Friday and all that. Just stick with us. I mean, I really encourage you to stick with us. Investigate Jesus. He, he's not afraid of that. Um, or maybe you're listening to a podcast and you're driving on the road, you're going to work or you're coming home from work, you listen to this podcast. I want to talk to you. If you wouldn't describe yourself as a Christian, here's the deal. If you genuinely care about justice, you would want Christianity to be true. If you really genuinely care about justice, you should want this to be true. Some of you have been saying, oh, there's so much injustice and suffering in the world. There can't be a God. Can I just say to you that if anyone had the right to say that, it was Jesus. And he believed in his father to the end. And can I also say to you that at the core of Christianity is this belief that every human being is made in the image of God and every single person, regardless of where they find themselves in the, in the strata of society, regardless of what their gender is, regardless of what their race is, they have inherent value to God. And actually Christians are called to do justice. It's synonymous with righteousness. And that, that, that Christianity is, is, is the one, one faith that actually says you should fight for the orphan. You should fight for the refugee. You should fight for the immigrant. You should fight this. You should fight injustice. You should go after it. And you, you need to know is that, you know, the karmic religions, what they teach is that if you're suffering and you're going through pain, you're only getting what you got coming to you. And it's going to be thousands of reincarnations until eventually someday you'll be absorbed into the great oneness of the universe. You'll no longer have individuality. You'll no longer have your personhood. And you're only getting what you deserve. Here's the good news about Christ. He gives us not what we deserve, but way, way beyond what we deserve. He gives us grace. He gives us his righteousness. He gives us a future. He gives us eternal life. And friends, if you describe yourself as maybe secular or agnostic or atheistic, can I just tell you this? I'm, I'm just going to try as kind as possible. You've got to be honest. Because if, if you're agnostic or atheistic, what you, what you're, this ideology is it's a strong, the strong crush the weak. Survival of the fittest. You have no leg to stand on to fight oppression. It's only that worldview being lived out. You've got to understand this. That if there's something within you that says that's not right, it's not consistent with an atheistic or an agnostic worldview. It just isn't. And if you have to smuggle in values from other worldviews, specifically Christian, that everyone has inherent value, maybe you should reconsider the worldview you have adopted. Because if you genuinely care about justice, you should want this to be true. Has the church made mistakes? Absolutely has made mistakes. Do you know how many problems we have caused by unsheathing our sword? Literally. We have made a mess. But there's a Christ who whispers, put away your sword. Look at Jesus. Look at the claims of Christ. Look at his resurrection 
And what if, he, if what he says is true, I encourage you to investigate him and to do justice with us. This, this is why we want health care for people who don't have health care. This is why we're involved in Salem Free Clinics. This is why we want dental care and mental health care. This is why we feed the poor. This is why we clothe the naked. It's justice. It's not right. And we're called to do justice. And if you care about that, then you should want this to be true. Keep investigating. Keep coming. But be honest in your investigation. Then I want to talk to us, those of us who are Christians. I want to talk to us, frame it this way. Am I having a Peter moment or a Pilate moment? Am I in any way fighting injustice with injustice? Am I in any way demeaning, demonizing, or dehumanizing any individual in my pursuit of trying to get something done that's right? Can I just tell you, you're unsheathing your sword. Put it away. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. And are you washing your hands of the responsibility to do justice by where God's positioned you. It takes courage. Yeah. Pilate, his position was threatened. I mean, if he, if he gives in and there's a riot, it's gonna, it's gonna cost him his job, maybe his life. History teaches us that he's had some problems with riots. So he's, he's, it's self-preservation. Don't let self-preservation get in the way of justice. Lastly, I wanna say this. Remember that every injustice on earth is recorded in heaven. And one day every wrong will be made right by a just judge. My hope and prayer is that many injustices will be dealt with in this time, in the time that we are alive, that we will do justice and do it well and do it biblically. But friends, some injustices won't be made right. But one day, we will all stand before a just judge. We can entrust our lives to him. First Peter chapter two, Laura led us through some thinking and meditating on this verse. Jesus, when he was reviled, did not revile in return when he suffered. He did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. We can entrust ourselves, even when things aren't going as we like, even in the pain, even in the trauma. We can entrust ourselves to our God. And the dark days of slavery in our nation, it's one of our major national sins. In those dark days, there was such brutality. It was horrific. I mean, lynchings, murder, rape, African Americans sustained themselves in very dark times writing songs. And many of our songs entrusting themselves to a just judge. Listen to some of these lyrics. This one is called Heaven is My Home. I am on a pilgrim journey of sorrow. I'm left in this whole wide world. I'm left in this wide world alone. I have no hope for tomorrow. But I've started to make heaven my home. 
Sometimes I'm tossed. Sometimes I'm driven low. Sometimes, my dear Lord, I don't know to which way I can roam. But I've heard of a city called heaven, and I've started to make heaven my home. Or the classic spiritual, swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. I looked over Jordan. What did I see? Coming for to carry me home. A band of angels coming for me. Coming to carry me home. We have a just God. And one day, every wrong will be made right. In the meantime, we'll do justice. Not by fighting with injustice, but we'll take our responsibility and if required, even during suffering, entrust our lives to a just king who's so wise, powerful, and incredibly kind. He's he's our God. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for walking the way of the cross. What a journey you went on. So many attempts to keep you from going to the cross. Thank you for suffering for us. Thank you for being our hope. You're our hope when things are going well. And you're our hope when things aren't right. We give you our hearts. Lord, we're, we want to be faithful. We want to be true to you. Help us, empower us, Holy Spirit, to live the life that you've called us to live. We give you praise, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.